ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week, I sit down with Mark Mason of Hot Sense. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Mark Mason of Hot Sense. Mark, good evening, man. I appreciate you sitting down uh, and taking time out of your evening to uh, talk with me. It's been a pleasure because I always enjoy coming on and talking about hunting and fishing and everything else that relates to the outdoors. So with that being said, why don't we jump into it? Give us a little background and an intro on yourself. Yeah, um, I'm 50 years old. I uh, have been basically hunting and in the outdoors since since I can remember my my whole family hunted from the beginning of time. Um, I kind of got into this industry you know, not, not aside from the hunting side of it, uh, years ago, back in probably 2000, I was uh, filming hunts. I got an itch to film hunts and I was walking through, uh, one of our local venues per se, I guess it was called that. It was, uh, the National Archers Buyers Association. And, uh, I had a media pass of course. So started filming and kind of got my, my foothold in the door with a bunch of manufacturers and of course became pro staff shooter, all that stuff like everybody else has done. And I eventually got into the, into a company that was in the urine business. And, you know, I had an opportunity to be an owner of it and end up buying the guy out of the company later down the road. And from then I, I've created this, what, what we're talking about today, the hot sense, it's a deodorant style stick. And I also have liquid and we carry it in, you know, regular urine as far and uh, synthetic. We cover scents, scent blenders, spray, everything. Um, 
And that was, you know, that took off about 2010 and 2014. I, I sold that original company and started Hot Sense. And I was in a non-compete for a few years. So I had to back off till about 2017. And I just really enjoyed it. It's taken me places that I would have never thought I'd been. I've met some amazing people, hunted with some great people. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. That's awesome, man. I, I know we were yeah. laughing before we hit record here, talking about sitting in the garage and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and to hear that that you know you you say that you know you wouldn't trade it for the world. And, and your statement was don't sell yourself short. Cause I'm pouring deer piss in the garage. And uh, yeah, it tickled me, man. That's pretty funny. That is, that is correct. I, I'm a, I'm a one man band. I mean, I got my, my son helps me out, but yeah, we've, we've always done it in our, in our shop, in our backyard. We're not some big massive manufacturer that's in Walmart and Costco and you know, all the big box stores We're, we're we cater to pretty much all the local, uh, you know, mom and pop shop. That's that's who started me. That's that's who made me who I am today. Right, bread and butter. The bread and butter has always been my mom and pop shops, and th- that's pretty important, especially nowadays. And in, in, and I'm making assumptions in this market that we still support um, the mom and pops and you know the the homegrown, if you will, small businesses. And that's the reason that I do these Tap Tuesdays, man. It's pretty and pretty important to me. Um, but we're, we're losing a lot of that with, uh, the big box store stuff. Yeah. They, they can't compete, bud. I mean, it's, it, it's horrible. I, I even give my mom and pop shots a better discount. Heck yeah. As <laughs> you I, should. I, I want to see them. I want to see them succeed because, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I've had my opportunities where I, I've had the big box stores want thousands of sticks of my stuff. And I've, Probably not the smartest decision I've ever made in my life, but I've, I've tried to go the other direction. I said, I'm not doing that. That has to put another level of pressure on you as well to try and keep a big box store supplied. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, you know, the worst part about it, uh, I had a friend that did it. And, you know, they ordered, oh, it was a ridiculous amount, you know, a couple hundred thousand units. And it didn't sell of his product. And before I knew it, it was in the, it was in the discount bargain uh, bin at 50, 50 cents a bottle, you know, and, and then the next, so, but he doesn't know that. So the next year he ramps up, starts buying all the stuff. He's got a ton of money into, into inventory and they come back with a, like a three or 4,000 unit order. And he goes, what am I going to do? I'm sitting on a hundred thousand units. You know, and and then of course the big box stores come to them and say, "Well, we'll buy you out. We want your product." So they, that's all they wanted. Set them up for failure, cast me. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough, man. Take your dream and and get stepped on like that. I mean, that's what it amounts to. Yeah, and and you know, from that from on that point, that's why I've, I've never been in any big box store. I, I just just don't do it. I I sell online and I and I deal with my local mom and pop shops all over the country. Well, like I said, man, that's uh good on you. That's uh I think we should have more of that. Everybody gets money hungry and it bites a lot of folks in the butt, man, on a small business. Yeah. Unfortunately. And you know, everybody's got to remember where, where our industry started. If it wasn't for 
you know, Fred and May opening up a shop and putting their life savings into a bunch of bows and arrows for people to go buy, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at today. We really wouldn't. So let's peel back one one step here. Why don't you give us a sure. little bit about that uh, that hunting and outdoor life and, and give us some background and what trips you trigger and keeps you out there? Well, I guess my, you know, my favorite animal to hunt is, is elk. There you go, buddy. Um, that's, that's just, uh, well, I, I, mean, I might have to take that back. I, I was fortunate enough to draw a desert sheep tag last year uh, after putting in for 35 years. And, you know, that's, that's a rush. If you've never sheep hunted, man, you, you really need to go do it. I'm trying. But, yes, and everybody is. So, you know, that became a number one passion. But I'll never sheep hunt again, you know, for desert ram unless I go with somebody else. My, my, my life is over with that one. Um, but you know, elk, you can always go elk hunting and just to get out there and call them big bulls in and having them scream 10 yards from you, that there's just nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. Nothing. Turkey's about the closest thing, believe it or not. Yeah. It, and as much as we like to compare them, it still does not compare to having that bull right there. First no, thing in no. the morning and just watching him scream and feeling it and seeing that morning breath come out just, Oh man. You know, I, I drew, I drew my bull tag in Nevada. Oh, six or eight years ago. And they weren't even in the rut yet, but they were getting there. And I remember I took my camping trailer up and I was in this meadow and my God, the noise they made, they didn't, they didn't shut up. It was all night. I couldn't even sleep. And by day seven, I was like, man, I, I, I took my truck down out in the valley and, threw in the back seat and got a, and took about a five hour nap because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep there all around my trailer. This is incredible. Yeah. That's, that's dream status right there though. There's not, there's not a lot oh, of yeah. guys that would complain about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a rush, you know, and of course mule deer hunting for us, you know, us Western folks, guys, you know, we get to hunt these things when they're fuzzy horn, but the weather sucks. You know, it's a hundred degrees out. Yeah, because you yeah. guys are. When does Nevada season start? Because we started. We'll be. Let's see. Last weekend was our second weekend, and I think I was at. I think that we had a high of ninety eight, which was really nice considering. And this weekend I'm going out, and it's supposed to be a one hundred three to one hundred six. Oh man, our um, our first season of the year is is uh, archery antelope. And I, I believe that archery antelope and archery deer, I believe it starts on the same day, which is August 1st. Oh, so you guys are right there when that temperature is just, <laughs> it's going to be swell. Yeah. It's, it'll be 90, you know, even when you're out and, you know, my doorstep is 5,400 feet. And even when you go out deer hunting, you're at 6,000, 7,000 feet, it's still 90 degrees. I'll take 90, man, over 106. Last year I did 116 was the highest day. That's just crazy. It was crazy. Are you, sitting, are you sitting in a blind? No, I'm I'm spotting stock, man. I'm moving around, um, you know, working working ridge tops and and glassing, you know, a mile off and trying to make my way in on them. Um, and then I, I guess the plus for the area that I'm hunting is there's only about three to four hours in the morning 
if you're lucky, four hours where they're making their transition, um, that morning transition, because this time of year, the, the moon is seems like it's at its brightest. <laughs> um, and it is, yeah, it's miserable, but it, it becomes more a test of what you can withstand than sometimes chasing that animal. That's true. You know, last, last year I talked to my cousin, he drew a, a, a mule deer tag over here in Nevada and I talked to him in, he had some bad surgeries and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't really push the mountains like he used to as a kid. And I said, cause I said, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to blind hunt. And, and, and I got, I got an idea. So we took some, we took a blind up to a water hole, set it up on this water hole. And I took, uh, some of my serenity and I smeared it all over the place, all over the rocks around this water hole. And, and, uh, I threw the bottle in the, in the tent and at eight 30 in the morning, he stuck a 32 inch four by four came in with nine other bucks and they jumped into the pond, into this water hole and started swimming. And I just told him, take the one on the right. It's the biggest. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, he had never done that. He'd never hunted out of a blind, but, uh, it was an incredible, uh, experience for him. And, uh, he just, and, you know, since then he actually bought a backpack, a hunting backpack company and he's following in my footsteps. I, I, I work with him every day and, and we've got his backpacks out online and, and, uh, he's, he's following in my footsteps and he's just loving it. That's awesome, man. Living that dream. He is. Same thing, working out of a garage. <laughs> well, let me see if I can step it to you guys' status, man. That, uh, and that's, a, okay, so since we're on that, how, how has that changed it? Because you, you, we have a ton of people that would love to be in that scenario, right? And I think it looks, for the lack of a better word, you know, like you're living the life, but there has to be a sacrifice um, for being in the industry and being able to get out as often um, as you want to and, and live that, you know, air quote hunting life. Is, is there any sacrifice or trade off there being in the business? There, there is, um, you know, of course, family is always a, I hate to say it takes a, takes a back step back seat to it. Um, if it's something, you know, like if you're going to have your normal job, your eight to five job and do it on the weekends, that's one thing. And that's even worse because then you don't have any weekends. You have to devote it to your, to your cause. Um, if you, uh, like for me, um, you know, our, our industry on a, on a fiscal calendar, you know, you've got, you've got your trade shows that run January, February, March, April. Um, and in those trade shows, you're, you're, you're dealing with retail and wholesale. And if you're at a wholesale show, when you're, when you're done doing all these shows and some of the retail shows in April, every order you've placed has to be filled and on their shelves by June 1, July, because they want it ready for the upcoming season. So, you know, your summertime, if you're busy enough, like for me, summertime rolls around, it's hard to get out to the lake and have a good time because... I've got orders that I've got to fill bottles and make scent and get it packaged up and get it sent out to all my dealers that I've taken orders for throughout the year. And then, you know, 
summer's over. So your, your, your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, your kids are like, you know, we didn't do anything this summer, blah, 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 blah. Um, but you know, that's the sacrifice you make. And then, and then, you know, it's August, September and, it, it, and it, the, here comes the big sacrifice is you put them on hold for the summer for your business. But now because of your business, you have to go out and use your product. You have to get footage. You have to get film. You have to, you know, use it in the field and get photos. And I know that sounds like an excuse to go hunt, but it's, it's the truth. You know, you have to get it out there. And, and then in this industry, you know, you know, as well as I do, when you own a company like this, you're constantly getting invited. And, it's winter time. So now nobody wants to do anything. So really your, you know, your, your family life, they really don't care if you're out hunting and having a good time because it's cold. They don't want to be outside anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so spring rolls around and you, you, you get a little bit of relaxation there if you don't make something for bears. But uh, I think family life is probably the, the biggest sacrifice. Um, and possibly your, your job, if you have a current one, because, if it's your passion, you'll put that job on hold or you, you'll fall to the wayside a little bit. Um, do I live a life of luxury? Absolutely not. I'm doing this for basically one thing. I'm 50 years old right now. I've had a great life. I got a lot of life ahead of me, but I know in my time, you know, people aren't going to hire me to do jobs that I used to do as I was younger. So this is my retirement. In, in five to 10 years, I want to pull the cork on the everyday working for a living and, you know, and just, just sell my deer pee on the side and make my money and live happy. Um, and hopefully, it, you know, hopefully it takes off way before five years. I'd like to see it in the next two to three. But, um, you know, you're either going to work to live or live to work. You need to make that choice. And I would, I would, I would inspire anybody. If you got a passion in the outdoors and you want to make a product, you know, a it's got to solve a problem. It's got to be useful, and do it. I mean, I, I mean, I started my, I started this company, you know, scraping stuff out of deodorant bottles. You know, I'd go to Walmart and buy the cheapest deodorant bottles I could scrape all the deodorant out of them, wash them, and I, and I filled them to try to see if it would work. Until I got smart enough to realize, hey, you know, there's places online that you can buy this Sell stuff that. from. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're broke and trying, you got to do what you got to do. That's awesome, is, though, man. That is awesome. Well, it's funny because once you start doing something like that, your mind's always moving. You know, like me, oh, I made a stick, I made a stick design. Uh, uh, attracting what else could I make? You know, um, I, I've, I've had people buy some of my stuff and they put it in their cars as, 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 as air fresheners. I'm, I'm they, assuming a cover scent serenity. The pine, the cedar, the vanilla, the cinnamon, uh, the anise, uh, it actually smells pretty good. And no, no estrus. Thank goodness. No, you know, around the holidays, uh, I'll take the Cinnabon of mine and I'll go wipe it all over my intake filters of my air conditioning unit or my heater unit. And when you turn the heater on, it pulls the air through that, through that vent. 
it disperses it through the house. Your whole house smells like cinnamon. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, so, yeah, that's, well, we'll see how long it takes you to have the car air fresh. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's roll into it, man. Let's, uh, hear a little bit about Hot Sense. Um, you got a ton of offerings, uh, Blacktail, uh, Mule Deer, Bear, Elk. Um, yeah, why don't you, why don't you lead us into that? I'd like to go over, uh, why synthetic, um, you know, the difference between synthetic and the naturals. Um, and then, you know, I don't know if anybody else is doing it in that, you know, stick style. Uh, I know there's some gels out there, but why don't we get into all that? man? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of nailed it. I, um, I have a liquid and a solid stick and I have them in synthetic and non-synthetic or natural. Um, as you just mentioned, I've got basically the four big animals. I've got mule deer, blacktail, elk, and um, whitetail. And in those in those four animals, there's four fragrances. Um, we have buck, doe, estrus, and then I have a a blend called uh, Serenity, which is more or less a calming scent or a bedding area per se. And that is like probably my number one seller. And we can get into that a little bit later and why, and I'll tell you why. Um, but the, uh, of course, the reason we, we went to synthetic is because of CWD. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit here. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what CWD is, that's short for chronic wasting disease. Um, kind of, if you had to put a tag on it would be the, uh, mad cow disease of deer. Um, but yeah, we have all kinds of flavors. Um, the stick design is, is very much like a deodorant stick. It's a solid stick. Um, I created that a long time ago, back in 2005. And the reason I did that was because I uh, was actually hunting and one of my bottles cracked in my bag. I had a bottle of Tink's. I had a bottle of Tink's 69. Uh, it cracked and it was all over my clothes, all over my sandwiches, my fruit, everything in my bag. And fundamentally the backpack was ruined. I couldn't get the smell out of it. And, um, we, uh, decided that there's gotta be a better option to this. So we came up with the stick design and I, I actually met a guy at the ATA show. He looked at my stuff and we were talking about face aid. And I said, hey, can you make that face paint a little thicker? And he says, yeah, I have a formula for it. I used to be on the design team of Oil of Olay. And I'm like, well, perfect. Can I put deer pee in it? <laughs> and he just looked at me like, you're crazy. And uh, so we come up with a formula together. And it took some doing and some playing around with to get it, to, you know, with the acids and the deer and the pH levels and the, the urines to, to, to work. Yeah, because, you know, it's sometimes it's like putting water and oil together. It just don't mix. Um, but, you know, I, I made that stick. And, and with that came the tagline of no drips, no spills, no mess. Um, our, our, our sticks have got a resealable cap in the lid to keep it fresh. Um, my, my, my sticks are poured from the bottom. They go into 
when you pour it, it goes into the lid, which is a resealable cap inside. And basically, when you pour it, you're, you're pouring it to the bottom of the stick, per se, and you're pushing all the air out of it. And when you cap it at the end of that, you've capped all the air out of it. And when it comes to deer urine, uh, air is your worst enemy. Um, and I don't care if there's just a little bit of air in a bottle, it will eventually go bad. So that's why I've, I've spent the money on these German tubes and, you know, they're upside down. They're very expensive, but it keeps, it keeps the product fresh. What kind of shelf life are you getting out of them? You know, I have tested that and I couldn't give you a solid answer because I've got units from 2006 I still have on my shelf. Oh, wow. That I play with. I just kind of keep them around to see how long they'll last. They've dried up a little bit. They're, they're, uh, they've lost their luster. They don't have the aroma as, as much as a fresh one, but you can definitely still smell it. And if you're a deer, you know how their nose are. Um, it's, you, I, I almost guarantee you could probably still use it. Um, I would say three, four years, easy. I mean, that's yeah. good, right? You're talking, what's a stick? About 15 bucks, fourteen ninety nine. I think you have them on is the price point. Yep, yep, fifteen bucks on online. Um, you know, the liquids are nine ninety nine, and 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 I'm just like everybody else. I mean, I, I think I got a better liquid, but hey, it still goes bad. And you know, if you go to Walmart and you buy a, a bottle of liquid that's been on their shelf for a year, I guarantee it's bad. It's it's not fresh. So that's one, and, and you brought up a point, right? And you're talking the big box versus you know the mom and pop size. Um, yep. if you're manufacturing in your garage, you are producing what is ordered, right? And not just this ungodly amount of sticks more. It's more likely that that stick you're buying at, you know, whatever mom and pop shop is this year's fresh. Yes. I, I don't, I don't overextend myself. I make, you know, 30, 40, 50 units of each. And I just set it there and, and if it's, it'll usually sell pretty quickly to where I'm actually out pouring stuff, making it faster because I got more orders that came in. Um, I don't pour 10,000 units and just set them in a corner. Right. Box, you know, to go sitting there for a year. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I never have. And uh, my reputation is, is, has always been, you know, his stuff is very fresh. So that, I got a bottle of deer piss <laughs> and I see the value. I see the value in, in making a stick. Um, huh? What, when you, we talked about the deer's nose. I mean, just any yep. servant's nose. How, how do you, how does that mask or, or do we know um, how they, are they able to pick up the other additives um, or the other compounds in the sticks versus just you and your, excuse me, using straight urine? I think they can, but I don't think it bothers them because it's not something like, um, um, you know, it's not like Clorox out there or something weird. Um, they're more interested in the, in, the, in, the, in the urine smell and they'll smell that. And if they don't sense any danger, um, they're, they're very subject to it. I mean, they, they'll come right in. They're curious. I, I took a stick last year and I dialed it up and I took electrical tape and I taped it to my arrow and I went out into an alfalfa field where I knew the deer were coming in to eat alfalfa and I stuck that thing in the ground and they walked right by the alfalfa and came over and ate that stick like a lollipop. Oh, wow. And, 
you know, they started licking it. And next thing I know, they're chewing on it. And they're trying to get it off that stick and off the arrow. And I thought, you know, the same thing you just said, it's not bothering him. I've even had my hands on the stick. My hands are on the arrows. So this whole first, you know, this facade about scent free, you know, when their mind is set on, I, I'm going to go to that. I, I don't think it matters. Right. There's no threat there. There isn't. I mean, I, I was sitting off in a blind out in the sagebrush. I, I wasn't hunting them. We were just, we were just filming, playing around. And, um, they loved it. They just lick it and bit it. And, uh, I had an elk do it. He, he tore it right off the tree. I had it kind of wedged in a piece of bark and he pulled that thing out of the tree and started eating it. And I, I had to spook him away because I thought, well, that's not going to be good. He runs off with a stick stuck in his throat and fish and game sees my label in the back of his throat. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to scare him off and he dropped it and I, I picked it up and he ate half the stick. And you'll see him do that, right? I mean, they, you watch him taste the air and um, yeah, you know, go over yeah. to a, go over to a fresh, uh, a fresh piss pile, if you will, um, sniff it and even lick it at times. Yeah, they're, they're different. I mean, they'll lick, they'll, they'll lick urine that another bull's just laid down. Um, they'll sniff it, get their nose right in it. I mean, look, you know, when they go into a wallow, they, they'll urinate right in that wallow and splash it all over their body. So uh, the second thing that got me, how in the world, how in the world do you go, okay, oh, that smells, you know, that's whitetail estrus. How do you come up with a synthetic? Because that is, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting to me. The synthetic has been a challenge. Um, It has been years in the makings and it was not easy um it's made out of urea which is um pretty much the same thing they put in the def which is in all your diesels now um and you know it originated uh the farmers used to use it under trees for fertilizer and if you get the compounds right and you let it ferment right in it, it starts smelling like urine, real bad urine. And from there, it's just a matter of adding high notes and low notes of, of, uh, of scent to get that fragrance to where it smells like a real urine, like a real bull or a cow. Yeah. That's, that's a, again, that's very interesting. I mean, you're, you're trying to mimic a biological scent, right? I mean, there's so many, if you look at urine, there has to be so many different compounds or, bits and pieces of bodily fluid that make up urine, right? As they're, as they're passing, you know, their liquids. So, so to mimic that scent, um, I mean, how much of that is science and how much of that is just plain dumb luck? Well, and, 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 and you know, it, it, it's just like you and I, um, humans, animals, we're all saying your urine is going to smell different from day to day, depending on what you drank or ate, uh, you know, what happens when most people eat uh, asparagus? You know, it's very pungent. Um, a bull elk could eat something on one side of the hill today and not eat it tomorrow, and, and his urine is going to smell completely different than, it, than the day before. Um, same with the cows. So 
when everybody says, oh, that doesn't smell like whitetail, I'm like, well, have, how much whitetail urine have you really smelled other than what you bought in the store? Right. You know, I, I go to, I go to game ranches and I, and I, and I get it right out of them and I smell it. <laughs> so I, I know what it smells like. Yeah. That's uh, um, that's something else. Yeah. Well, if you're going to make something, you're going to live by it. You better know what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just to, just to start down that path with the synthetics I'm at a loss for words because I can't, I can't understand it outside of somebody doing something in a laboratory. Um, and even then it doesn't to take, you know, deaf or urea and, and say, okay, ferment this. And it smells like piss. I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing about it and I'm, I'm putting a little light on it, but it, it, in my head, it's almost genius that, that, you're able to do that, especially being, you know, not in the laboratory, out of the garage. Oh yeah. You know what, you know what we should do is, uh, you know, we'll do another, another one of these podcasts. And in the meantime, I'll send you a real one and a fake one. And you can literally have it right in front of you and pop the top and smell each one of them. Tell me what you think between the two. So <laughs> do you see any, you see any life, out of the synthetic, like in the field, are you seeing any longer life out of the synthetic versus um, the natural or the nonsense? Are you talking about the longevity of the stick? Yeah. Well, no. As as far as you know, if I go put it on a on a rub um, or at the base of a tree or what have you, is there any? You know, am I getting ten hours out of one or two days out of the other? No, I, they're, they're very comparable. Um, there, I, I have experimented with both. I put them out on trees and went out weeks later, you know, one side of the tree versus the other. And they're fundamentally, I, I can't tell the difference. Um, I, 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 think, I think they last exactly the same length. I really do. So, all right, I'll let you... Uh, kind of tangent us there but i think that's all good good info um so i'll let you get back on it why don't you go through some of the offerings um talk about the different the different sense maybe sense versus scenario yeah like like time frame of using them yeah yeah and that and that's a that's a that's a big mistake with most people um hunters in the field that uh they, they've always went to the, you know, the Walmarts or whatnot and, and grabbed the estrus, you know, got to have that hot estrus. Well, you know, the females are only in their cycle about three weeks out of a year, you know, until they're bred. And that's usually for the most part, sometime about the second week in November till the end. Um, so like us, you know, I, I would not recommend that you use, my synthetic or my real estrus in August, you know, they're not, they're not in that, they're not in that state and the, and the bucks are not, they're not ready for it. Um, I don't know about where you're at, but where I'm at in August, the bucks aren't even with the does. They're all in bachelor herds. Yeah. It's kicking my so, butt right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's why I lean towards the, uh, I don't even use the doe or the buck scent. I really don't. I use this. I use my serenity because it's more, it's a whole different blend. And uh, it's a curious blend to them as well as a cover scent for you. 
you know, you're not alerting them that, you know, what is that? Why, why is there a hot dough and heat right now? They're, they're not used to that. So, um, you know, if you're going to use the buck, you know, that works great for mock scrapes and, and even during, during the rut, you can put it on trees, you know, to, to lure in other bucks to maybe get their markings going. Um, the regular doe scent, I would use that somewhere around your first part of your season. If you're hunting whitetail, probably October to the first part of November, then you can, you can lean into that, that estrus and run it probably maybe even until Jan, December if you want, because whatever does don't get bred now, they'll come back, they'll come back into another cycle about 30 days and they'll do that until they're bred. But it won't start until that first cycle of about November. In the meantime, guys are getting in on early season and they're emptying the shelves of Walmart and Turner's. Oh yeah, they're, you know they'll go they'll go to they'll go to Costco and buy scent free tampons and you know a, a case for ten dollars and they'll go dump buckets of urine and hang those things all over the trees everywhere and you know they. And then you'll get the feedback. Oh, I use that crap. It don't work worth a damn. I'm like, well, when did you use it? And, and hey, where did you buy it? <laughs> oh, I bought it at Walmart. Okay, well, that was been on the shelf for about two years, so it's probably bad. I always tell them if you dump if you dump the urine out onto a wick or a, or some kind of a, a stick, and it's brown like molasses or coffee, it's bad. Deer urine is just like us. It's, it's, it's a gold, yellowish color. It, it, it isn't black. It isn't dark brown. And it's not and, meant to last for two years. No. Uh, you know, urine comes out of the body, whether it's a man or a human or an animal. It's purified. It goes to your liver and your kidneys. There's no, there's no additives. There's no preservatives. Give it about three days, it'll start turning color on you and it'll start getting a real ammonia smell to it. And, and that's a big thing. I've seen a lot of hunters do that and they don't know any better. They'll go to Walmart, they'll open the lid, and take a big whiff of it and go, whew, yeah, that's the stuff. And I look at them and I'm like, really? You, you want to smell something different? <laughs> yeah, some, and, of the, uh, some of the estrus, man, I mean... And I've been there, right? What does what this smell like? And open that up and just, oh my God. Oh yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Clean, fresh urine, it's not, it's not pleasant by any means. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's even worse when it sits on a shelf for about eight months. Now you're, you're piquing my curiosity, so now I'm going to have to go buy some of this crap and let it sit. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that I can't, right? And And I've never... I've never really used sense, right? It's not, it hasn't been in my repertoire. It's not, you know, hasn't been my style of hunting. Um, but I'm getting my butt kicked by bachelor groups right now um, of blacktail. And a lot of the problem is, is that the wind that I'm trying to beat um, is virtually unbeatable. In this area, I've harvested one buck in, this is my third season in this area. And uh, I was on, let's see, f- Friday, I think I said I was on 15, two weren't shooters, Saturday was 12, all were shooters. Um, and that's the only thing I could think of. I need, I need to do something to take away as much of my odor as I can going in there because I cannot 
get past the I, I'm a wind check freak. And I went through two on Friday and one wind checker on Saturday. Um came home with half a bottle. And it's uh that's the only thing I could see, man, is getting some and I was looking at the Serenity, um, and I was you know, I'll get two of those and just rub them all over me. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, if you, if you wanted to try that, that's what I would do. I would get the serenity. I would rub it all over the soles of your boot on the side of your boots. And if you've got some felt pads, some kind of, um, uh, you know, go, go buy some of those with dipping wicks that you use liquid on it and just rub that stuff all over them and tie them around you. Tie, put them on your hat band. Uh, do you wear a hat when you're hunting? So if you just take some of that serenity and, and rub it all over a broken twig and put that twig in your hat, I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. And then what a lot of, a lot of guys do, I don't know if you have a, a backpack that has a small open pocket, dial it up, open it up, take the lid off it and stick in that pocket. Just let that aroma out of that serenity and just try that. And of course, play the wind, you know, be quiet and all that, you know, everything a hunter should do. but. Right, you can't uh, just throw everything to all the caution yeah. to the wind because you gotta you can't do hopscotches through the woods and say, "Yeah, that didn't work." Yeah, yeah, got it. You, you still got to go through the motions. Yeah, but you know um, it, the serenity, and, and again, don't get me wrong; it's not a pleasant smell. Um, if I had to put a smell to it, it almost smells like a cattle truck. Oddly enough, that's not a bad smell, man. No, and if you get heavy into not so much deer, but elk, you get into their bedding area, and it, that's that's what it smells like. Right. Yeah, it's strong. It is very strong. Um, and I would try that. I really would. Uh, I've sold. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was just looking at my Google Analytics the other day uh, last year. Uh, my last year's blacktail outsold my mule deer hands down. The great, uh, and the great ghost man, they're hard to get on. The guys are trying anything to get them big boys. Yeah, yeah, and I, the feedback I'm getting from my black tail stuff, it's it's incredible. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, I'll have to rush order some of that, man. <laughs> so, well, it's only a day over to you. Yeah, it's not far at all. Um, have you seen a popularity increase, right? Because when you start thinking, you know estrus uh urine and cover scents and things like that at least in my head that is something that is predominant in the midwest to the east and and even a bit down south um i don't know if you agree with that statement but are you seeing the popularity rise here for us western guys yes um the western guys are finally getting on board i mean you think about it you know 15 years ago western guys wouldn't have had a wouldn't have had a blind set up you know, it was all spot and stop, push them canyons, push those bucks out of their beds, you know, and uh, we've gotten smarter. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys out here in the West now that are using tree stands. Uh, a, they went back East and hunted whitetail and realized, Hey, this ain't a bad option. You know, instead of walking 15,000 feet, I'm going to make this thing come to me. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of the sense, the cover sense, uh, Central animation sprays have always been good. Um, that's an, I think one of the, my top seller is that uh, I do a combo, estrus and serenity combo. 
and it saves them a couple bucks. And uh, I saw a lot of that. Combo pack down. Yeah. So, so you think that Serenity? I mean, with the estrus, right? We're we're focused on that that pre rut or during the rut, but as far as a all season long, the Serenity is the way to go. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm getting emails right now as we as we're on this podcast. Guys are asking me, "Hey, can I use this uh, with my trail cameras right now? Is it will it spook the deer?" And and my response to them is absolutely not. Put it out there, and these guys will rub it all over their cameras, and you know the deer will come up, and lick their cameras, they're getting these photos of eyeballs, <laughs> <laughs> eyeballs and tongues. Yeah, I said you should have put it out a little bit further. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's just, that's what when I tell them, I said, you know, what you want to do is you want to go out. You know, you got your camera facing, you know, south, for instance. You know, go up, go back in there a little ways and start putting that stuff on the limbs and the brush, and you know, shave little slivers off on the ground and rub it on things as you walk back towards your camera. And then about 15 yards out in front of your camera, dial it up, tape it to a stick, something, stick it in the ground, or just set it on the ground. And if you're, if you're actually hunting, you can use that as a marker. You know, you know that stick is 20 yards. And, you know, get that stick out away from you. Uh, you know, a lot of these hunters will take these estrus and, and they'll hang these dipping wicks on their, on their tree stands, you know, right next to them. Well, you're just bringing the buck to you, really to you, you know, you don't, you don't really want that. And, and one thing I always tell them that, you know, and I've seen this time and time again is guys will take the scent and they'll put it on limbs that are six, seven feet in the air. And I'm thinking, you know, deer don't come in with their nose that far in the air. And I know why you're doing it. You're doing it for photos, you know, get those deer stretching their neck out smelling. But what you're doing is you're getting their eyes off the ground, especially if you're in a tree stand. Deer come in with their head bobbing and their nose about, what, 24 inches off the ground, 30 inches. And if they're coming in calm, they shouldn't be looking up. So I'll tell them, I'll tell them that all the time. The... So the ease of the stick, right? I mean, it's, it sounds like the stick is the way to go versus, in my head, versus the natural or non-synthetic again. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of just walked, it through, walked us through two different scenarios, right? The camera um, and then, you know, my scenario of, of rubbing myself down. <laughs> um, Be careful. <laughs> I'm not going to do you. I'm sure we've all seen that video, man, of that, that, that gent that was, uh, got his butt kicked by that big white tail. He had his wife oh, yeah. put that estrus, that estrus yeah. all over him. <laughs> uh, I don't want that scenario. <clears throat> so what are some other, you know, you talked about the blind. Um, what are some other uses or, or, you know, tricks with it? Um, I have used it out on like my tree stands. Um, you know, if you're hunting the rut, of course, use, use the estrus and then I'll put that serenity up around me as a cover scent. Um, if you're hunting a blind, I, I, I'll take that serenity and I'll dial it up. And you know, on the inside of your blinds, how the, the bows 
pop out the, you know, how they pop the sides of the tents out. I'll just stick it in the, in one of the, behind one of those bars and the inside of that blind will smell terrible for one, but it really covers up everything you've done because I don't care how good you use your soaps, your shampoos, your scent lemonade sprays, even the stuff I make. You sit in that blind in August and it's 155 degrees in there and there's no wind, you're going to start sweating. And it's going to happen. And you can't, you can't just say, oh, I got to go take a shower. You know, you can keep spraying it down, but eventually it's, it's, it, it, you're, the chair you're sitting in, the, your socks, your boots, you know, out here in the West, guys will get in there in the morning and by nine o'clock they're sitting in their underwear. Yeah, and they're <laughs> done know? that. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got squirt bottles or squirting themselves down with fresh water cooling off. And I'm like, okay, well, all that sin elimination spray you just sprayed yourself with, you just washed it all off. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't think about it, you know, or they open their can of chew and put a chew in or eat a, eat a ham and cheese sandwich while they're in there. Cause they're starving. I said, that's, that's, that's all red flags guys. You need something that kind of hides that. Um, other uses, um, you can apply it to anything. Uh, you can rub it on the bark, rub it on rocks, uh, and it doesn't take much, just a, a, just a little bit. And that's why I say if you take the cap off and you use the edge of the cap and you can shave little slivers as you're walking, and those slivers of scent of the stick will fall on the ground. Um, if you cover the bottom of your boot with it, every step you make, you're putting a... a of an imprint of that down on the ground, kind of like a drag rag. And I don't know if you ever use drag rags or not, but that's a lot. That's, that's very popular back in the Midwest and the East. Walking in and out of those stands and blind. Yeah. They'll, they'll soak those drag rags full of urine and tie it to their boot cuff and they'll just walk in and drag that thing behind them. So do we, do we talk about the, ban on the naturals while we were on record? I don't know if we did. No, not yet. Um, you're talking about CWD? Yeah. Chronic waste. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we talked about that. So why don't we get into that a little bit because that's hitting kind of, I, I've seen quite a few states, even western states, where where the uh, natural is being banned. Um, I, I didn't yes. realize that it was more to do with CWD. I thought it was some feeling stuff going on more than anything. So why don't you give us a little background on that? So, you know, CWD is, uh, of course, the, it's an acronym for chronic wasting disease. Um, as of right now, I believe there's about 12 states that have outlawed it. Uh, Arizona, New Mexico, North Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Vermont, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Virginia, Arkansas. And the, the newest to the map is Idaho, believe it or not. So currently, as of 2018, there was, I think, 13 states. Um, and I just got an email the other day from a friend of mine that said Mississippi has uh, uh, turned, the, turned that leaf over and Alabama is next. So if, if, you know, if Mississippi and Alabama do, did it, you know Louisiana and Georgia are probably going to go. And because they're already surrounded by Arkansas and Tennessee. And, you know, you're just going to have that lower panhandle 
in, in all red. Um, now, Michigan and Wisconsin, it's not completely closed. It's the heavy, dense counties where CWD was predominant. Um, but trust me, mark my words, it's going to become a statewide thing. They're not just going to have a few counties. And rumor has it through the industry that as of January 2020, there's going to be 12 more states outlawing the use of real urine for hunting. Because right now what you've done is you've got 12 states um, that have already went, maybe even 13 or 14 that I'm not even aware of yet. And, you know, once you get, you know, that's a quarter of our United States right there. And if another 10 or 12 states come on, that, that's 50% of the U.S. Eventually that, that number is just going to migrate over and they're just going to say, okay, no more, no more period. You know, it's not fair to, and what they're going to do is they're going to jump on the bandwagon of where are you getting real urine? Well, we're getting it from deer farms. Well, that's when the bunny huggers kick in. You've got captured deer, you're, you're using them for a profit, blah, 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 blah. And it just, it's already making it hard for them. Um, so look for 2020 to be a real funky year for that. I'm surprised it California's may not, um, not on that list. Yeah, I know I'm really shocked. Um, I think Oregon and Idaho are looking at it. I know Idaho just went. Um, I thought Colorado. I, read, I thought I read that Oregon. I thought Oregon banned them this year. I thought I read something. It, it may have. Um, it, I, I, it's so fast, I can't even hardly keep up with it. And when I thought about making, well, well, well when I first made the stick years ago, you know, um, CWD wasn't an issue. Um, but over the years, it's, it's had its mild cases. It's, it's had its problems, it, you know, it's had its problems, but it's gotten worse and, you know, more states have turned red and red and next to this one and this one. I mean, pretty soon you look at the top, top of the United States, you know, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, pretty soon those are all going to be, I guarantee all the way across. And then there's a gap between Michigan and Vermont, which is New York you know they're going to probably go. And then Pennsylvania will fall in, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio. It's, it's, just, going to start, it's just going to start a wave, I guarantee it. I'm, and, and another one that I'm surprised with is Wyoming. I mean, considering that, you know, the, the history shows that uh, Colorado is where they found the first case. Um, yep. And Wyoming has, I believe, 24 counties. Yep. At last count that uh, had evidence of yeah, CWD. I believe it spread into Kansas and Nebraska back then, you know. Um, why Idaho did it, I don't know. I don't know. And, or Arizona and New Mexico. Um, that one, Arizona and New Mexico has been that way for a while, mostly with the elk. Um, I, I have dealers down there that wouldn't buy my stuff from me because they, they can't sell it. But this last year at one of the shows, I offered the synthetic and that's all I've sold now. So they're ramping up on it. And, and I, I guess to a point, right, if you start looking at chronic wasting disease, the protection of these herds um, should be paramount. Yeah. I mean, we're, cons we're conservationists. We want, we want what's best for the animals. I don't want to see all these animals die. And, you know, if, 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 if what I have to do by making synthetic 
helps cure the problem, that's, that's okay. Now, was there a level of, you know, I don't know, proof that, Hey, I'm getting it from this CWD free deer farm or elk ranch or whatever it was, deer ranch, elk ranch. Um, there, was there any there, of that? Yeah. Um, if, if you have what they call ATA approved archers, traders association, if you have ATA certified urine, um, and, and here's where the money comes into play. You, you have a deer farm that is, that is ATA certified. I can buy it from them. No problem. And I can put it in my stick. That doesn't mean I'm ATA certified. I have to go to the ATA and I have to buy into their program. Cost me $2,500 to have their label. Even though I'm, even though I'm using the ATA certified, which means they went in, they've tested their herds for chronic wasting disease and came up negative. Uh, they issue them and, and, the, and those people, you know, those farms and ranches had to buy into the ATA program as well. It, it, it doesn't just pass down. I just don't get a label because I bought it from them. I have, to, I have to spend money to be a part of their program. So being a part of that program, does that require you to pay for testing of your product? Uh, I have to send samples in, yes. But um, all they do is they just sample it for, for chronic wasting disease. Or if you're already buying it from, a, uh, from an ATA uh, uh, farm and there's records showing that, then you can get you can kind of skirt away from that. Oh, okay. Because I imagine that on top of the twenty five hundred, there's probably a fifteen hundred dollar or two thousand dollar testing of that product. Yeah, and and I've decided not to do it because I think I think in the next year and a half, two years, um, I don't think it's going to matter. I think there, whether you're ATA approved or not, I think the states are just going to come to the table and say no more deer urine out in the field, real deer urine. Um, you know, you can have the buck jam and all the other stuff, the minerals and whatnot, but, uh, they're really focused on the urine. And again, and I, I, just, I, I can't, I can't argue the fact that as long as it's not a feeling based thing, right. Emotionally based thing, like you said, cause the bunny huggers, if it is science based and we are concerned with our herds and not, you know, spreading that, that I'm all for it. Yeah. I hate to say that because there's people that li their livelihoods depend on those naturals or non-synthetics. Um, but yeah, sustaining those herds, man, and their levels is, is hugely important. Well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, it's, it's my livelihood is to, to make deer urine and I've had to step outside of the box cause I know it's coming. Um, and it, to my knowledge, I am the only one with a, with a synthetic stick. I don't think there's any other companies that offer it. Oh, and uh, damn, well, I did say that, but I didn't realize that that was, that that was, uh, you had that side of a corner. That's awesome, man. And, you know, and, and I, and I, I have one competitor, he's back in the Midwest somewhere up in Michigan, but he, I'm, I'm not too sure he'll ever do it because his livelihood is he does own a giant deer farm and he collects his own urine. So for him to come to the table and say, I now make synthetic, A, he's either going to have to get rid of his deer farm, because I don't even know what good the deer farms are going to be at that point. 
other than for breeding purposes and and uh, uh, AI of sperm, you know, into uh, other animals because he does breed some very large, heavy horned whitetails, and he does sell that. He does sell the sperm to other whitetail ranches for uh, breeding purposes. I didn't realize we were going to go down all this with it, man. It's pretty interesting. It, it's never really, my eyes have never been open to the, you know, again, Western hunting. Um, it's just not something that, uh, that I've ever really delved into, but to hear all this, man, it's pretty, uh, pretty intriguing. Well, you know, it all, it all falls into, um, uh, you know, the, the population of hunters. If, if, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the United States and you take on, on a demographic level, you take all, I think, 13 Western states, basically, you know, New Mexico up, across down from Washington down to California. There is more registered hunters in three counties of Pennsylvania than there are in all 13 Western states. That's just Pennsylvania. So you think about that on a global, you know, on, on a United States country base. I mean, you know, you're from California. You got what, 30,000, 40,000 hunters? Yeah, if we're lucky. You know, Nevada's got, Nevada's got 20,000, 30,000 hunters. Every state's got about that. And one county in Pennsylvania has over 125,000. So just one county is almost all 13 Western states. So if you look at that, then you, you just throw in New York, Ohio, Indiana. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of hunting that takes place back there. Us Western hunters, I hate to say it because I am one of them. We are a peon on the size of that. And, and what's funny, a lot of us Western guys, and, and no offense to it, might consider using a scent or something. I don't know. Cheating. We're pretty anal retentive when it comes to our style of hunting, right? Play yes. the wind, glass, you know, put on that stock. Um, it, it may be cheating, may be construed as, right? We may have some problem with it, but with what you just said and the amount of hunters, you know, in Pennsylvania, or just say back East uh, in general, this has been something that they have been, has been a go-to for years and years, as far back as I can remember. Well, they have to because there's certain places back there, and I've hunted back there, where you hunt a plot. Um, you know, you, you, hunt, you hunt Fred Jones Ranch, and you go out there, and you're in Tree Sand 1, and literally 250 yards from you is Tree Sand 2. And, you know, it's, it's a bow only or bow shotgun slug, no high-powered rifles. So you have to, you're competing against four guys on a 10 acre lot to who's going to get the biggest deer. So yeah, you got it. Those guys use whatever, whatever's possible, you know, cause that they want to hunt. They're not like us. They don't have hundreds of thousands of acres to go push and not see a hunter. I mean, I'm, we're, I, I'd love to say that I'm fortunate. I can go out in the mountains and, you know, the, there, there's 50 tags in my area. 
wow, that seems like a lot. I, I hunt all, all season long. I see two guys, <laughs> you know, and they're a quarter mile from me. Uh, th- those guys don't have that ability. And so, yeah, they, they, they force themselves to use any means they can. And, you know, sometimes us Western hunters make fun of that. And, and you know, until you, until you stepped in their shoes and, and hunted in their lifestyle, I wouldn't do that. You know, what's funny is, is I've been, you know, talking to more guys, you know, out East and, uh, and down South and, I've never had the desire to tree stand hunt. And one of the, I forget who it was. I don't know. It's going to elude me. I think it's Bo Hunter podcast. He had posted something. It was like a uh, November whitetails B elk and all these guys, you know, because of, of where they're at, they were picking a, <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, you sons, oh, yeah. Of, you sons of bitches are crazy. <laughs> And uh, they were like, man, yeah. until you sit in a stand all day, you know, in in 20, 20 degrees to zero, you have no idea, man. And to watch the sun come up on that crisp November air, and I'm like, yeah, more power to you, buddy. Because me sitting 13 hours in a tree stand, um, I don't know if I could do it. I One, I don't like damn heights. Uh, <laughs> and those guys, get they get up there 30, 40 feet. Um but yeah, the contrast. And, I, is and I've done it. You know, this Western boy's done it. And I'll tell you what, it is very challenging. Those whitetail are so, A, they're shot at so much. Um, they're, I mean, you, you pull your bow back. Like, you know, I don't know if you remember on a bow, uh, the Whisker Biscuit. You know, I always thought, oh, that'd be a great tree stand. They do not use them. I said, really? Why? I said, they seem quiet. He says, oh, no, you don't hear it, but you pull that arrow through that whisker biscuit and it goes, and he says, they're gone. So, so you're Uh saying, so you're saying the Eastern guys miss a lot. (laughs) I had to get that jab in there, man. (laughs) They don't get to shoot. They've been halfway through and, you know, they're. They're, 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 they're halfway through the draw, the deer are gone because they heard that arrow come through that whisker biscuit or, you know, it's clanked a little bit or their cam has creaked, their tree stand creaked. I mean, you know, I, I sell deer pee for a living and I watch TV shows. I watch these podcasts, or not podcasts, but videos and, and YouTubes. And you see a guy up in a tree stand 20 feet and all of a sudden a big giant buck looks straight up at him before he shoots. There's a problem. <laughs> You did something wrong, but but it's not. I've talked to guys, I, uh, Dan Traup and uh, Sam Schaefer with uh, Titanium Archery Products, and they and they both told me that the same thing you're saying that these deer are shot at so much, and it is almost ingrained in them genetically that they're looking up because of all the guys that are up in stands. That's very possible. I. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, that's just, yeah, to me, it like any, any form of hunting is, is intriguing to me. Right. I, I wish I could experience all of it. Um, even the tree stand thing, as much shit as I give those guys, um, there is, there's gotta be some level of satisfaction to have, you know, 130,000 guys in one County and women, excuse me, um, yeah. that are sitting in stands or blinds. 
there has and twenty to be some- of them on a, twenty of them are on one ten acre lot. That's crazy. And you know, you brought up something else with the shotgun, uh, shotgun and bows. You know, they got crossbow. Yep. Compound bow and then shotgun or slug. And I think it was Ohio. They just uh, allowed smoothbore rifles. So I oh, think, probably. yeah, Love loader. they, uh, and that's a first, right? I mean, it's been that way for forever because of those small plots and you know, that, that what's behind your target type deal. Oh yeah. You're hunting, you're hunting 10 acres and there's 20 people out there sitting in blinds and tree stands. You don't know where they're at. You have no idea. Yeah. It's a, uh, that's something else, man. It is something else. I was, I did a podcast, I think it was a week or two ago with uh, Amy Hall and she's out of Tennessee <clears throat> and we were talking and uh, I found it interesting, right? Because there's a lot of, they call it management, right? Uh, and, and it's hard for me to understand it that way and no offense to them again, um, where they're creating funnels and I forget some of the terminology and things they use, but it's just a different world in terms of how they are going about, you know, their approach to those deer. Uh, yes. And I think she said, I think Amy is on five acres that she's able to hunt. So they're creating funnels and, and setting up and using sense, same things. It's just, yeah, it, the contrast is just something else, man. It's hard to grasp, um, especially never have doing it and, and being, you know, that quote, Western guy. Yeah. And, you know, five acres is not very big. Heck no. I mean, you know, it's, it's about 600 feet. I glass that in one morning sit and then some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out, in, out here in Nevada, I can glass five acres in about 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I imagine that the challenge, and they got some thick woods, man. I mean, the challenge there is, is got to be something else. It is. I've, I've hunted. You know, going back to earlier in our conversations, you know, the, the, the pros and the cons of, of, of being in business or in this industry for a business. I, I have been fortunate enough to be on a lot of hunts and go places and be invited. And I've hunted Alabama. I've hunted Louisiana, Michigan, um, Indiana, Illinois. I, I've hunted all over in there. Um, Texas. I mean, I've spent tons of my time in Texas and money. Um, Texas. So I... I yeah, uh, I used to book hunts for Alan Warren down there, uh, and we had a good time. I mean, it's just it's just taking me a lot of places, but I, I I sympathize with them. I've been in their shoes, so it was an eye opener for this Western kid. I can tell you that. Have Have you personally ever blind hunted? I've used no, one. I've I when my boy was a lot younger, we bought one, and I went in in scouting season and set it up and. We got into the blind on the opener and uh, it had snowed. It was blown over. The blind was all screwed up. So we went right back to old faithful spot and stock. Yeah. You know, so I've never, I would, never experienced. For the, the time of year you're hunting right now, I would encourage you to try it. I'd find a water hole and I'd set that blind up that back in the tree, back in the bushes. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that area I'm hunting, man. <laughs> If that, if that spring, this time of year, if that spring has 
six inches of water that's 18 inches long by two foot wide, I'm doing really freaking good. Really, really good. It is a rough, nasty, I call it the hellhole. Where do they get their water? There is, so there's a tract of BLM land on the south side of the BLM that I'm on. And there is a, um, there's an ag property um, that's another, I'm going to say mile away. And that's where they're all going for their, for their water. Okay. And I'll They'll travel. Yeah, they they have no choice in this area. And I, I was actually surprised going in. Um, well, it wasn't opener this year. It was my opener. was a week after opener. I was surprised with the winter that we've had. Um, I thought for sure, man, that there was going to be water and green, lush grass everywhere. And I drove in and saw everything. And I was like, oh, it's still the hellhole. It really surprised me. I actually considered not hunting it this year. Because last year, 116 degrees at high, and I think the low was 101. You know, you got maybe, I'm going to say four hours, but that's a stretch of the imagination. By 8.30, there's nothing moving. That morning transition is like 7 to 8.30. If you're not set up or you're not on them, um, you're you're just not getting it done. And in Yeah, the, they've been. They're done. Yeah. In the years I've been hunting there, uh, I've seen three deer moving around in the early evening hours and after that man with the moon phase that we're in this time of year uh it's all night you know if i got out there wow. at night i'm sure i can i could do some damage as far as finding them um but yeah it's uh it's rough country and then the weather and moon they don't help it but that's the one thing that i think it's really what keeps me going back there is the freaking challenge and there is a absolute stud that uh has put me through a whirlwind of shit in the last two years. This dude, he doesn't stop. It's like he senses everything in the area. We were glassing. That was Saturday morning. We went back in where we saw the first bachelor group, and I decided to move down the ridge a little bit in glass. And I'm going to say I was easy, and I'm going to understate it. I was easy a quarter mile off. And uh, I came up, snuck up on top of the ridge, and uh, crept. And as soon as I sat down and put the glass in front of me, he's looking my direction, quarter mile off. I saw him and I about had a freaking panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> that, that deer is just, he drove me crazy all last season. I mean, I had to, I was out six weeks. I saw some phenomenal deer. And then this weekend I saw phenomenal deer. Um, and last year it was like, okay, get it done with one of these other bucks after six weeks or continue to chase this guy. And it was going to drive me crazy. I was going to Wyoming on an elk hunt. So I was, you know, it was like, okay, I just got to close the, close the door on this tag. And, uh, as hard as it was to do it and hope that he made it through, I've never seen more than a couple guys, even remotely close to this area. So saw him on uh Saturday, man, I'll be back up this weekend sweating. It's supposed to be, I think 103. So it'll be interesting. Wow. I'm going there with that serenity and uh There you go. Hopefully we could seal the deal. You know, the one thing we didn't that we didn't touch on as far as hot sense offerings, man, is the uh is the cover sense and the scent elimination. If you want to jump into that a little bit. Yeah. Um we have um three or four different cover scents, pine, earth, cedar, and juniper. 
um, for a cover scent. It's also in a stick formula. And I have it in liquid too, but it's kind of messy. Um, the scent lamination spray is, is really good. Uh, it's called our scent destroyer. Um, you can actually, and I, I do this at the shows, you can take a credit card, wipe the serenity or the estrus on the back of a credit card, spray it about three pumps with that, wave it, you know, get the air to it a second and smell it, it'll be gone. So if that scent elimination spray will kill deer piss, it works. <laughs> so how does that, so there's different ones, right? And, and I know about dead down wind and there is, is a, I don't know, biological, I guess, kind of kills bacteria that, that causes odor on us. How does, how does yours work without, you know, disclosing any proprietary stuff? I don't even capitalize on that because the stuff that they put in those bottles to do that, it's really not that great for you. <laughs> I use a pretty natural scent or a formula that's been around for thousands of years. That is, it's not even proprietary. It's just, it's just some that they quit using, uh, water, salt, and some other ingredients. Um, and it doesn't have all that bacteria stuff. You, you take dead down wind and let it sit for about a year in the bottle and smell it. Tell me what you smell. And you, that's what you're going to spray on you. I don't use any aluminum, uh, aluminized oxides or whatever they call that. But it's, 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 it's pretty good. That's all I can say. I would recommend you try it. Um, as far as the cover scents, yeah, you can put those all over you. And what, what a lot of guys will do, especially with the earth, um, they'll lay out all their clothes on a table and just start painting their clothes with it. And then they'll fold their clothes up and put it in a Rubbermaid, dial up a couple of those sticks, throw them in there, and snap the lid shut about two months before they go hunting. And when they pulled those clothes out, he said, it's, it's incredible. But I've seen him do that with the earth, the cedar, the pine, all of it. And you better be using the right scent. I would just, that kind of a disclaimer. We don't want a guy going yep. into the pine forest smelling like cedar. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Or juniper, you know. <laughs> we, we, got, we got to be looking at the scent and the scenario, gents. Yes, if you're, if you're hunting in sagebrush, I wouldn't recommend using pine. Right. <laughs> not you not might just want to stick with earth. <laughs> yeah, not going to go over well. So what is that? No. Is that just the oils from the, from the, different, uh, the different trees? Yeah. Yeah, it's out? a fragrance from the trees. So it sounds, um, I mean, and oh, it, I don't even know how that sounds, but... I hate to even say it. I might catch a level of shit, but hey, it's all natural. I mean, that, <laughs> that's how it sounds. <laughs> no matter what you're having, no, no, no matter what you're hunting, we have you covered. Right, right. It's glute, it's it's gluten free, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gluten free, soybean free. So we brought up um, something earlier, and I want to I want to touch on it. Um, and I yeah. and I don't mean to offend anybody. That's you know that does this or especially you. So what would you say to the guys? Because again, us Western guys are as hunters go stubborn mofos. So if somebody yeah. says, Hey man, that's BS, that's cheating or however, whatever word they use to describe that, what, what are you saying to them? 
usually what I tell them is, hey, don't knock it till you try it. And what's your success rate? You know, Western hunters are, you know, in Nevada, we're in the, like the top 3%. If you shoot a deer, you're in the three percentile of killing. So you can call it cheating, but you know what? If, if, if you're going to call it cheating, then go put your compound away. Go back to a stick bow. There you go. Go, go back to your Zawicki broadheads and, and, and take your seven pin side away and don't shoot 350 feet per second. Okay. So don't talk to me about cheating. You're already there. <laughs> That's the, there it is though. That's a hell of a perspective on it. And for, yeah. for me, when I'm looking at it, right. And, and I'm, and I've been following hot sense and you for a while now. And, you know, it was like, Oh, cool. You know, I, what I enjoyed about it or what I liked about it was, you know, the fact that you're sitting there grinding it out again in the, in the back shop or the garage, if you will. Um, but then I started thinking about leveling, somehow trying to level the playing field just a little bit more, right? I don't think it gives you this unfair advantage. Um, not no. any more, like you said, not any more than, you know, my, my CT5 does um, and my ability to shoot, you know, I won't say how far I'm willing to, but <laughs> um, there, there's no unfair advantage because you cannot throw everything else, you know, to the wind. Uh, no pun intended, and just roll with, you know, ascent. It's true. I mean, you take the, you take a typical hunter, and I'm and I, not probably not you or me, but the typical hunter. You know, they get up in the morning, they hop in their car. You know, the inside of their car smells like whatever, whether it be new car smell or or fresh pine scent or or smoke and cigarettes and chew or whatnot. And then, you know, they go to the, they go to the mini market, they top off their fuel tank. They're standing out there with their feet standing in where everybody's diesel has spilled out, you know, and they got their hunting boots on and they go in and they grab their coffee and their, their donut and they eat that and drink that on the way to their, you know, out to hunting. So, you know, your chances are slim already. Or you've rode a quad and the gas is fumed up through the tank and it's, ran down the, the crotch, you know, or you've got the smell from the oil from the engine perforating your, the, the pant legs of your hunting gear. You know, the, the fumes from the exhaust rolling up the back of the quad soaking your, the backside of your, your, uh, uh, you know, your hoodie, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's just so much that, that, you know, you think a little bit of deer pee is going to give you an advantage. Right. You're picking all that up. Or flat out cheating. No. You got more to worry about. Yeah, I had to get that in there, but, man. I didn't, you know, like I said, yeah. it's nothing to be offensive, but somebody's going to say it, right? I mean, I'm sure you've heard it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's just like the muzzleloader hunters, you know? They're, they're, they call these guys that shoot thin lines cheaters, you know? Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, my muzzleloader only shoots 150 yards at max. But I've, I've watched guys with these new muzzleloaders put a scope on it and they'll shoot paper plates at 300 yards with it. Is that cheating for muzzleloaders? I, I, I guess. Well, again, we're, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to differences and stuff that we're not used to or we're not doing. Yeah. Yep. 100%. 
I don't know if you're a freak like me, but you brought up the, you know, driving in your vehicle and, uh, I will, I will absolutely stop putting air freshener and anything in my Jeep. Um, I'm thinking I'm probably six months before season with that <laughs> Yeah. where it's like, nope, no air freshener, no nothing. <laughs> it's not, it's not going in there. I'm so worried about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I might be same with it. I worry about the, you know, the, the oil that's running off my head or down on my pipe and it's burning fuming up the floorboards. Right. <laughs> you know, you got all the windows down. Thank God I'm going to smell like a damn automotive shop by the time I get out there. But I keep my stuff in a, in a tub, you know, and I, I'll go out in my Levi's and socks and tennis shoes and then I'll, I'll literally stand on a pad out behind my, my truck or something and, and put my, my gear on. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. That stuff you know, is not, it is not touch. I got it sealed and <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, and that's a big thing. And I know, like I said, I play the wind like crazy. Um, and that's a huge, huge deal. We, that we can get past their eyes. Um, sometimes we could beat those ears, but the, the one thing that we are not, we are absolutely not going to beat if we don't do it right as their nose, period. I don't give a shit what anyone says. I've played the wind to a T and somehow I got a swirl or I got to a point where the wind was turbulent and that deer was gone. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. That that nose, I don't care what we put on. I don't care how many measures we take, man. You cannot play with that nose. Oh, yeah. Go hunt elk. <laughs> yeah. You'll get a real eye opener with that. Those, those cows have giant noses. And always, always using them. The head is down. I don't care what they're doing. If that head is down and they're feeding, that nose is working. Yeah, it, uh, for sure. You see that head come up, man. Those ears are twitching. And like I said, I've beat ears. I don't know how sometimes, but that nose, man, it, uh, I think that's the, that's the number one for me, as far as I'm concerned, beating that wind and getting, getting into that, you know, effective range. So I will, yeah, I'll definitely be, uh, Definitely be sticking up with some hot scents here. So, well, you know, with that being said, I got a promotional code if you if you go to use it. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely. Uh, so we'll we'll let all of our listeners have a give them a little twenty five percent off when we're ready here. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, well, let's hold that for the hold that for the final on the close and make them listen to the whole episode. So, what's the twenty nineteen outlook, man? What do you what do you have uh, on tap for your hunts and what are you excited about this year? Well, I'm super excited. I, I actually have my son sitting right next to me. He's 20, 22 years old. Um, he drew his first Nevada bull tag. And I want to hit him in the head because it took me like 20 years. To drive. How, how many so, for him? A couple or one? Uh, how many points did you have? Nine? He had nine points when he, uh, that he's had... Well, he's 22, so he's been putting in since he was 12. Maybe 13, so that many years. That's a lot. And he drew. Yeah, that's, that's really good considering what most of us have to build from. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't draw my first – I didn't draw my first bull tag until I was – I don't know. God, it was 10 years ago, and I'm 50. So as I was probably 40 years old when I drew that tag. Forty, forty, forty-one 41 years old. And I put in, 
I, I didn't put in when I was little, but I, I started putting in when I was probably 20. And so it took me 20 years to draw that tag. That's about the path I'm on here in California. I think yeah. I think I have 17 points now. Oh, wow. Yeah. For California? For Yeah, for my elk tag here. I didn't put in. Oh so, yeah, this he's year. got that tag. Um, I I didn't draw any tags this year myself. Um, last year I was uh, um, I was fortunate enough to uh, I drew an antelope, um, my desert bighorn, and um, sheep. And um, so I, I can't complain. Last year was. Uh, um, a good year for me. Yeah. I mean, to have your sheep and your antelope tag in a single season. Not a bad deal. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, man, I, I wish you the best of luck with that, uh, with that elk tag, man. There's nothing like getting your, getting your boy out there, especially on a tag like that and, uh, getting a, getting to pursue that with him. Memories of a lifetime. Yeah. I drew, or I didn't draw, but I uh, I am going on a Roosevelt elk bull elk hunt up in Washington in November. Oh, nice. And then my other son drew a really good deer tag. Uh, remember earlier I was telling you about my cousin who shot that big 4 by 4 in the water hole? Right. He's got the same area. My my oldest son drew that area this year for archery. Yeah. So last couple of years we've done really good. My oldest son killed a giant deer last year. He was uh, he was actually in Muley Crazy, and he's going to be uh, his story is published in Eastman's Journal this coming month. Oh, nice. We'll have to uh, jump on for an episode, man, and talk about that. Yeah, I got the magazine here for Muley Crazy. Um, I think a green sword at like uh, two over 200 inches. It's like a nine by seven. It was his first bow kill. <laughs> I'm not going to even comment because <laughs> I yeah, won't have anything been, good to say about him. <laughs> well, he's been bow hunting for a long time, but he's never killed anything with his bow, but it, it stacked up last, last year and he, he pulled the trigger on a good one. Nice. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. The, you know, the hunting gods were in his favor. Let's put it that way. And then he told me, the big one got away, Dad. Oh, man. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So, yeah, we should have a good year this year. Yeah. So, one of the things I like to touch on um, in, in every episode, man, is conservation. And, and I call it the conservation quick. It's just a one to two minute, you know, spiel, if you will. Um, sure. Just your view of conservation. You know, it's not meant to put you on the spot or anything like that. I just appreciate hearing other views and then, you know, maybe sparking a thought process in somebody that, that wasn't there uh, along those lines. So why don't you give us your, uh, your conservation quick there? Um, I'm a, I'm a big conservationist. I'm involved in quite a few of, uh, our, um, banquets here in town. I'm, I'm the vice president of our NWTF, uh, chapter here in Reno. Um, and I would, I would encourage anybody, all of, all, all hunters to get involved in some kind of organization, whether it be the wildlife, uh, wildlife for habitat, Turkey foundation, elk foundation. Many people don't know, but that money really does help. Um, you know, the antis do no good for us. All they do is protest. 
they, they put no money in the kitty to, you know, put grass seed down, build up areas that have, that are in drought. They don't put any money towards guzzlers. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what us conservationists do. It, it comes right out of our hunt license, our, our banquet dinners, our fees, everything. Um, I, I just encourage everybody to get involved in that. Um, and kids programs, you know, cause that's our upcoming conservationists. You know, we're, we're, I'm 50. My son is 35 and my youngest is 22. And I, I got two daughters that hunt and fish. So, you know, and they're raising their kids that way. So you got to get them all involved. So and believe, and believe me, all these organizations, they all need help. They all need volunteers. Just ask them. They will put you in a, you'll get a free dinner out of that banquet and you'll have fun and you'll get to run some of the games, but you'll learn a lot about conservation and where the money goes. And I think that's a, that is one of the things that you hear more times than not, right? Is people are reluctant and I understand it, right? You want to know where your hard earned money goes. Um, yep. And people are reluctant to give and not know, right? There's always, you know, rumors or what have you, but really does, you know, 35 to $40, um, are you that concerned with it when you're running to, you know, 7-Eleven or, or In-N-Out or whatever? I get it. Right. Again, you know, I'm the same way. I work hard for my money, but um, putting it towards those efforts, man, is uh, is a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, you take, you know, you, your wife and two kids go to McDonald's one day. It'll cost you $40. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you could easily donate that night to a, to a, a, a raffle or something. You know. And some of those raffles, man, they pay. I just, I yeah, they do. Mother of goodness, man. I, we went to that Utah show this year and a couple guys I know won. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I didn't, I didn't put any money in there. I walked by him. I was so excited to get in the convention, totally brain farted on it and full regret man <laughs> full regret nice but yeah that's a yeah i agree you know organizations whatever whatever one aligns with your views and absolutely absolutely 100 percent agree with the kids um in any way shape or form we can get those kids out there and educate them and expose them to this you know it, it's not a guarantee that it's going to be there for them if we don't make these efforts. Right. Absolutely. I appreciate your insight and, and your view on that. What, uh, you got anything in closing? Um, anything that we missed? Anything that you want to touch on? No, not really. I think, man, we've, we've covered a lot. Um, it was fun. I think we should do it again. Absolutely, um, we'll have to do it. I'm, I'm absolutely getting some, I'm, taking it this weekend and the following weekend and we're, and we're going to see what, uh, see what it does. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. <laughs> well, get, get, get your order in tonight and I'll put it in the mail. You'll have it by Friday. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'm absolutely going to get it in. So, uh, cool, man. Well, I appreciate that. Oh, you said you want to give a discount code. I do for your show tonight. Um, for this podcast, if, uh, anybody goes to the website, and puts their order in. When they go to the checkout, they're going to ask for a discount code or a promo code. Just type in HOTT25, and that'll get them 25% off their entire order. Perfect. 
I'm sure there's a bunch of folks that appreciate that. Yeah, just remember it's spelled with two T's, H-O-T-T. Good deal. So one thing we didn't touch on is how do folks get a hold of you if they choose to do so? And give me that website. The website is uh, hotsense.com. Again, that's two T's, H-O-T-T. And in there, they can go to the contact page and they can shoot us an email. Um, they can do anything they want there. Okay. And then Instagram. Instagram is H-O-T-T underscore sense. Good deal. And yeah. Come in and follow us. Check us out. We always do some giveaways out there, too. Oh, and you guys got wind checkers. Well, I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to get some. Of oh, yeah. Too. Heck yeah. That's I got my, a dynamite wind checker. Yeah, that's uh, that's my game right there. So, yeah, we'll uh, I'll get on as soon as we get off here. <laughs> get ordered up, man. Well, Mark, I uh, I greatly appreciate appreciate your time, man. Um, it's been good talking to you, learning a little bit about Hot Sense, and uh, my eyes have been opened, you know, following along and listening to some of the stuff and watching stories and looking at more people and getting my ass kicked uh, <laughs> in that area I'm hunting. So, yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> be exploring it, and uh, I'll get you some feedback from at least from my small perspective, man. But yeah, I appreciate your time. It was good sitting down with you. Awesome. Just, just remember, you know, always face the sun. The shadows will fall behind you. That's it. You can catch up with Mark and Hot Sense on Instagram at Hot Sense. For the full product line, head over to HotSense.com. Enter code HOT25 for 25% off your entire order. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.